You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day, we study God's Word, and we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church, and while you're there, download our free mobile app. We've got a digital Bible got an online community. We've got all of our teachings on there, a lot of great resources right in your pocket. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications. We don't want you to miss anything, right? I don't think you want to miss anything either. If you've been with us from the beginning, from the beginning, beginning, uh, we, we have gone through the gospel of John We're now getting to the tail end of the Gospel of Matthew. We've got maybe two and a half more weeks through this. We're in Matthew chapter 26, and we're taking our time going through and uh, hopefully learning a lot. I'm learning a lot as we go as well. Um, I love this methodical verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study. Um, And I don't love it because necessarily I'm doing it. I don't want to give myself any credit. I love that we get together with it. Uh, and it's just a proper way to read Scripture. Without uh, that, we talk a lot about context on this program, and you, you get proper context, context Excuse me, when you read in this way, and you stop and pause, and you think about things like audience relevance, and you think about, you know, what's going on. Um, I even love to kind of speculate what's going through the, the um, disciples' minds during this time. And I think that's okay. I, I think that's why the chosen is so um, is so powerful. And I know it gets it, it gets flack, and I'm really really surprised when the chosen does get uh, flack. You know, uh, we, we want to point out things that aren't necessarily in scripture, and maybe you know just uh, some speculation. But how else are you going to get in and, and personalize these things? You have to, um, you know allow some leeway, and then focus on what we know to be doctrinal truths, right? So, you know, whether or not, and I'm not saying this happened in the show, but whether or not, you know, one of the disciples had a a little tiff with the other one, that's all theater, right? And that's okay. You, you think these guys went through the wilderness and didn't, you know, pick on each other and do, I, I bet if you're walking with them, you would be absolutely surprised on how normally they were. These are fishermen. These are tax collectors. These are, you know, former harlots all getting around Jesus. I believe that you would actually be pleasantly surprised at, you know, Jesus's sense of humor. Again, I am speculating with this stuff, but it's, these were real people that walked the earth. And I think the church as a whole has almost done an injustice by deifying the saints in this way, um, because I grew up not realizing that we are the saints, right? Uh, that saints were, you know, uh, these individuals that were, you know, that that were, uh, you know, somehow above. Now, chances are they had followed Christ in a certain way that is admirable, but that is not out of the reach of you or I. I mean, I don't need to have, I don't need to be canonized. Uh, that's not the point, uh, but. 
we all have a role to play. And if we think about it, we are the modern-day apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists, right? Um, that's all part of the five-fold ministry that's introduced in the book of Ephesians that ultimately is still very much alive and well today. But I could go all day talking about that, uh, but I won't because we have Matthew chapter 26. And a big part of why I'm taking this piece by piece and why I didn't continue yesterday is because this part of the Last Supper is, I think, really beautiful. It's a beautiful moment uh, that we continue to celebrate today. And this is the communion, right? If you remember, they're at the table. This is what we know as the Last Supper. We could probably call it the first communion, so to speak, um, because Jesus very intentionally uh, talks about the bread and the wine and and the symbolization. You know, a lot, there's a lot of symbolism in what we do, and really, that's you know what tradition is. I grew up in a denomination where every single service we took communion. Right, Even in my early Christian walk at the end of every service when I was a pastor at Seven Bridges to Recovery uh, and, and the garden down in uh, Atlanta, um, we would do communion every day. Okay, uh, At Sound of Heaven, we do it on certain occasions. We do it uh, – but really when, when you go through the process of the tradition of, of communion, you are – taking a moment to acknowledge, and that's really what tradition is, right? It's it's a disciplined, I don't want to use the word forced because it has a negative connotation, but it, it is a uh, disciplined observance. So in that way, tradition has its use. But I believe, and this is coming from me uh, a bit, and I think I could substantiate it with Scripture for sure, uh, that when we do something freely – that it is a more excellent way. And we see Jesus and the disciples after a, what probably was a pretty tense moment. Yesterday we studied how uh, how Jesus sits down at the table, right? He, he makes for the Passover feast. We already know Judas is plotting against him. And he sits at the table with his disciples. And he starts off by saying that he's going to be betrayed, which really stirs everybody up. And ultimately, Judas exposes himself. He's one of the last people to say, surely it's not me, Lord. And Jesus turns to him and he says, you've said it. You said it. And we talked about yesterday the difference between repentance and regret and how Judas was kind of at a crossroads there. And we'll we'll probably get back to that a little bit when we get to, you know, the fate of Judas in a, in a couple diff, a couple days here. Um, but now the shift goes toward the focus, uh, and that is uh, the communion, the Last Supper. So let's go ahead and read this. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 26, 26 through 30. So we're really taking this scripture in bite-sized pieces, right? Five yesterday, four today. And uh, as we get through, I was reading ahead, uh, we're going to pick it up a little bit uh, and cover a little bit more ground. But again, I don't want to, I don't want to just fly by any of these moments. They're, they're powerful. So let's read. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, 
drink from it, all of you. This is my blood. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Okay. So what I want to take a look at, first and foremost, is something that we are pretty in tune with as you know Christians growing up, unless you're a brand new Christian and you've never taken communion in a religious setting, um, the representation of the bread and the wine. Okay, so the bread being broken symbolizes symbolizes the breaking of Jesus's body. Okay, it recognize it. It, um, it represents his body being just absolutely thrashed for our for our redemption. We're going to read through. I don't know how detailed we'll get into in terms of the um, actual punishments that Jesus took, but they were horrific. They were horrific. And I find it staggering that the creator of the universe, the creator of all things, who's so high that we cannot even fathom all of the aspects of God, made himself so low that he would allow his own creation to do what he did. It almost brings me to tears to think about it. And part of that was what his body took. So as he's there at the table, he's foreshadowing the breaking of his body for us. A funny story. Well, well, I'll get to it in a second. So let's talk about the blood. We hear a lot about being covered in the blood, the blood of Jesus. Okay, the symbolism of the blood, the blood that was shed, and that's the wine, is the shedding of the blood for the forgiveness of our sins. The, this act is what really sparked, right, the, what we know as the Eucharist and the Holy Communion. It's the taking of both of these, and we do this in order. You know, in the church, right? We we take the right now what we take as the wafer, right? We don't necessarily break the bread. Although when I was in Atlanta, <clears throat> excuse me, I would do that. <clears throat> Pardon me. We we would do that. We would take uh, actually unleavened bread. We take matzah and we would break it up. So I don't believe there's a right or wrong way to necessarily do it. You know, there is a uh, there. It's all about the remembrance. Okay. But you take the bread first, and then you take the wine, right? So funny story at Sound of Heaven. I ha- I, there was one point where we had far less uh, volunteers than we have now. And by the way, we need more volunteers now for sure. Um, but uh, it, it, I was running around. I'm doing the, you know, I'm doing the, I used to do the cameras. I did some of the sound. I, I you know, did the baskets and, you know, when, when I wasn't preaching and I didn't preach as much then um, during that season. So running around and uh, Johnny grabs me and says, hey, I want you to I want you to do communion. So um, and it was like 
three seconds. And if anybody knows me, I like to prepare before. Uh, I spend about an hour, believe it or not, before even this to to get together and just meditate on uh, on, on what I'm going to share with you for, you know, 25 minutes or so. Um, <clears throat> so I run up there and I run up without my phone or without my Bible. So now I'm all going by, by, uh, by my own memory. So I go ahead and this is still made fun of to this day. I do the wine first and then the bread. So basically I left everybody with cotton mouth and, uh, John was like, I can't believe you did the wine first. And I grew up Catholic, right? So nobody's been through more communions than me. Uh, and I just botched it. I botched it pretty good. And it's funny because we had some folks in the house that were prophetic who, you know, I believe, you know, they tried to, well, maybe it's prophetic for this. I was like, no, I just, you know, screwed this one up. Um, and it's a continuous joke here today. Uh, but I believe God's still honored by that. Again, we can't get so wrapped up in the tradition. I just had to tell that story because I, I chuckle about it every time I get a chance to do communion. I try to make sure that I don't leave, leave everybody with uh, with cotton mouth afterwards. Uh, anyway, so I digress. Let's let's get back into it because I want to <laughs> want to wrap this up here uh, for you guys and, and set you off on your on your day. So Jesus takes the bread. He takes the wine. He calls it the blood. This is it says, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Poured out for many. And I don't even think they totally understood what that many meant. That many meant not just the Jewish people. That many meant the Gentiles. That many meant the whole world. That many meant whoever, right, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved and be partakers in that. So what we're talking about from that wine, the cup of redemption, right? The cup of the new covenant of the blood. It's a prophetic promise of a new covenant. And this was actually prophesied in the Old Testament. You know, Jeremiah 31, 30 through, uh, 31, 31 through 34, God promises to forgive sins and establish a new relationship with his people, which we have been reading about and how that unfolded. Okay. So I just want to kind of close out today by acknowledging this, that we too can have moments like this together. Because when we get into the book of Acts, we're going to see that people were unified. Okay. People were completely unified around the mission of spreading the kingdom of God. And I believe a big part pro- problem, I will call it a problem, in the modern-day church is that we, one, we don't observe this. Sometimes we do it religiously, but not freely. And with all the denominations that we have all over the place, we are somewhat scattered. When we pick up next week, we're going to talk about the sheep that get scattered, I feel like, in many ways. And it's not necessary, but the modern-day church is somewhat still scattered. But I want to just acknowledge the power of three very important things that happened at the communion. And these are things that you don't need a church building. You don't need stained glass. You don't need statues to um, accomplish. One, they gathered. They were together. They were together at the table. Again, in the book of Acts, we're going to see how the church comes together. And they came together often. And they broke bread together. The gathering is so important. 
People say all the time, well, it's me and God. I don't have to go to church. I totally get it. Listen, you could never step foot in a church and be saved. I'm I'm not saying that you can't. But there are things that God does corporately that are very difficult for us to partake in individually. And a big part of that is we all get together and we all have different gifts and talents and abilities and we strengthen one another. And this is not a new covenant thing, right? As iron sharpens iron, so does one man and woman strengthen another. But they gathered together in unity. And when they sat down at the table, you think about the stuff that happened at the table, right? They sat down somewhat at odds at the table. But Jesus was the great equalizer. Jesus brought it together. And that's kind of part two, this. They gathered and they remembered. They remembered the sacrifice of Christ. That became the focal point of them getting together. Essentially, they were having church at that, and I use that term loosely because we are the church. But so much happens at the dinner table that's distracted, talking about politics, talking about a lot of different things, you know, hashing out disagreements. But what they all did was they came together and they remembered. And obviously it didn't happen yet for them. But Jesus was setting the example of what was going to strengthen them as a community going forward. To get together and to remember the love of God. Remember the sacrifice that God laid down for us through his son. Remember the resurrection. Right? The blood of the new covenant that is the forgiveness of all sins. Remember that when we sit down, we are all equals, where we all make mistakes, but we are all equally forgiven by God. So in, in essence, we can be humbled in our own, you know, gathering, that we're all just a work in progress. Imagine that. People sat down at the t- dinner table, which doesn't happen like it used to anyway. But these are all disciplines that we can have, that we can naturally just come together, not just on Sunday morning at church, but that we can get together, right, to to really, and get together for his purpose. And lastly, I love that they sang a hymn and walked away together, right? They, they left united. And that's one of the things that gets mentioned in the book of Acts, that they all came together in one voice. And I can't think of a better way to come together in one voice than to sing a hymn, right? And it just shows that they left that place united. Now, they would be scattered after this. They, it, do, <clears throat> it doesn't mean that the enemy didn't, for a season, shake them up a little bit. But again, the spoiler for the book of Acts is that they came together and they were more unified than ever before. But this moment at the table where they come together, they remember his name. They, they kind of set their own garbage aside, so to speak. Set their own worries and challenges, and they just focused on Jesus and celebrated with him. We can do this very thing today. We can get together for a meal. We can make the focal point of our gathering, the celebra- celebration of what Jesus did for us. And we could leave united, whether we sing or not. Probably don't want to hear me sing, but got plenty of people at Sound of Heaven that can drown out my voice with their beautiful voice. So gather, remember, and then leave united. 
What if we did this on our own? What if we realized that we are all ministers of the gospel? I just feel like throwing that out there today. If you need to be ordained to be a minister, I ordain you today. You're a minister of the good news. That's what I try to put forward every day as we leave this place, right? We get gather for a moment. Essentially, we're having communion. I may not have the bread, may not have the wine, but we're gathering here this morning. We're coming together, probably all with a bunch of other chaos and stuff going on in our life, and we're remembering what Jesus did for us. And we're prayerfully leaving here united to what? Do something amazing for Christ's sake. It's like we say every day. So let's go ahead. And we may intentionally do communion in church. And I think that's awesome. Whether it's every week, whether it's once every couple weeks, whether it's a couple times a year. That is an intentional tradition observance there. Traditional observance. My prayer is that we make a conscious effort to gather together more. And when we do, we make Jesus the focal point. And when we leave, we leave united. Because I'm here in New York, you're wherever you are, but we're all united by the same spirit. Amen? Think about how powerful that is. That you can make an impact in Florida, in California, in Nebraska. I can make an impact here in New York. So can you. If you're here in New York, get down to Sound of Heaven. Go to SOH.Church. We're in Deer Park. Come visit us. But join us online. I'm not trying to plug the church. I'm trying to plug unity. Let's unify. If you want to get together with a community of people, let's do it. We're doing it right now. And I'm grateful for you that you're here with me every day. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you for every one who gathers. We remember you, Lord. We come together in communion today, remembering your sacrifice. And now we leave and we go out into our day, all connected by the same spirit, but united, hopefully singing the same song that you are great and you are wonderful and you are mighty. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church. This is the 1% Christian Go out and do something great for Christ's sake. We are going to continue with Matthew 26 in the next couple days. Love to see you over at Sound of Heaven. But uh, I'll see you soon regardless. Love you guys.